she leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, ambitious soul. This is Shannon Down, your host at She Leads, She Thrives podcast. Now we have, as we do every week, a phenomenal episode waiting for you. You'll get to tune into that very shortly. But before we begin with today's episode, I wanted to share an important message with you. The registrations are now open for the Thrive Factor Coach Self-Leadership Coaching Certification. This begins for 2023 at the end of April this year. We're welcoming just 10 incredible students from different parts of the world. So if you are already coaching, but perhaps don't have a qualification or don't have a real robust, reliable, proven framework that to support you and your clients, or if you're looking to become a coach, then please reach out to myself and my team. You can do that via email, hello at thrifeatdeco.com, or you can follow the link that's going to be in the show notes so that you can find out more information about the coaching certification. It is, from all the research that my team and I have done, the only self-leadership coaching certification in the world. The Thrive Factor Framework, as you may have heard me share in different episodes, is a female-centric framework. So if you're working with women and you're finding that you just don't have a reliable, proven, incredible, personalizable framework to, to lean into and to really support your clients, this could be the answer you've been looking for. The coaching certification that we offer is incredibly unique. Not only will you be able to master the art of profiling using the Thrive Factor Frameworks, you will be able to access our coaching model where there are a lot of done-for-you exercises and templates and incredible things that are going to make everything about coaching your clients as effortless as possible. Plus, you're going to get access to personal and business mentoring, a lot of that which is done by myself and our mentor team. I am so excited to see who joins us this year. It's always a sm small group, a small cohort, so that you also get personalized time with me, time with the Thrive Factor coaches who are out, already out there licensed and using this framework. And you can really feel like this is going to be a personalized, intimate, incredible experience that you wouldn't get in a lot of other courses out there in the world. So reach out to us. This could be the ideal time to add Thrive Factor Coaching to your already existing business or to use this as an opportunity to leave a career that's no longer working for you and to have something that's reliable that you can use and support you moving forward. I can't wait to see who joins us. Enjoy today's episode. A huge hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads, She Thrives. I'm Shannon Dunn, long-term business and leadership host, I should say, 
leadership coach. I often get that messed up. It's because I get so excited about who coach I'm Coach and host. I like that. Yeah, I am a host and a coach. Um, I get so excited about who I'm about to speak to that it's not uncommon for me to mess up that little intro at the beginning because I'm like, I just want to get into the conversation. But I am, yeah, as always, I am, you know, the inspirer believer in me archetypally is always going to be excited. And I have made it um, very clear to anyone listening in that I have prioritized and just said this to Amy, who's joining me today, prioritized really focusing on inviting women to come and have conversations with me for the podcast that I have some connection with and know. And I feel so blessed to have met this beautiful soul. And we were just saying very briefly, and they're like, let's get in and record before we share all the good stuff in our chat beforehand. But I met Amy nearly three years ago. So we're at the end of January 2022 as we're recording our conversation. And in February of, I'm oh, sorry, January 2023, um, of February in 2020, we were both together at the Ultimate Girls Week Away event in Fiji. It feels like lifetimes ago, doesn't it, Amy? It's just crazy it how long ago it was. Yes. Only three years and how the world has shifted and changed and evolved and done yes. so much in that time. And I um, vividly remember having conversations with you. You were traveling there with your beautiful cousin, Tara, and, you know, talking to the two of you and also the the uh, host or the, the founder of Ultimate Girls Week Away, Liesl Albrecht, who is a very good friend of mine. And I remember her saying to me, you need to talk to that Amy lady. Like, she's got a really interesting story. And look how things have unfolded since. So you knew what was coming. The rest of us didn't necessarily. So I'm going to ask you now um, to share a bit more about your background and then we'll get into having a conversation. So, you know, unlike um, some of the guests that we have on, I've got a bio to read out. Amy's just going to tell you herself a little bit more about her life and the, the key highlights, and then we'll see where our conversation takes us today. Well, almost 20 years ago now, I was a very exhausted ICU nurse and I was catapulted into a world of intrigue when we found out that one of my very closest friends was a serial killer. Mm -hmm. I helped detectives put him behind bars. And after that, I went on a very deep spiritual journey to figure out why I manifested a serial killer into my life. And that's really where I have been (laughs) from 2003 until now is really just trying to figure all of that out. And in the meantime, I had someone write a book about my story and that has since been turned into two movies on Netflix. It has. The book that was written, it was a brilliant book by Charles Graber. It was mostly about the serial killer, Charles Cullen. And the book's name is The Good Nurse. And the movie is also The Good Nurse. And Jessica Chastain plays me in The Good Nurse. And Eddie Redmayne plays the serial killer. Um, And there's also a documentary called Capturing the Killer Nurse. All of them, since all of this, I have been on press tour now for a few months, and I am still on cloud nine. Um, Just the feedback that I have been getting from the movie and from the documentary has just been absolutely mind-blowing. I 
genuinely thought that people would be very judgmental about what I did. And I think because I was so judgmental about what I had done and the things that we do to pick ourselves apart. And when we look back and we're able to see it from a different perspective, we can give ourselves credit, but it's hard to do that in the moment. Yeah. So it's been, it's, it's definitely been a journey. So that was a mouthful. I apologize. No, don't need to apologize at all. It's everything that anyone shares. I always feel is exactly as it's meant to be shared. And I am, you know, remember you telling me a little bit about this and that I think you, you knew when we were in Fiji, didn't you, that Netflix, something from Netflix was coming or it was in the works. I vaguely remember that. So I, um, on the ferry home after we left, um, Plantation Island, I went scuba diving with bull sharks on barefoot Kuata Island in Fiji. And on the ferry back to the airport, I found out that Netflix had bought the movie yeah. wow. for $35 million. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Like I just, so I my, my life changed <laughs> yeah. that moment. Yes. So much. So, and, um, I don't know, you may not know this, and a lot, a lot of people don't, I don't hide it, but my very first career, I was a registered nurse. So there, what? Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, you've ago. got nurse energy. You do yeah. have nurse yeah. energy. Yeah, I know. And um, so, and I have a lot of friends still. My mum was a nurse for 50 years, Amy, and I remember her t- telling her about your story and saying, you need to watch this on Netflix and sending it to all my nurse friends because they, they have a different understanding. Having, you know, they're all different kinds of nurses, the ones that are still actively nursing or like me have stepped away and doing different things. But we understand what it could have been potentially like to be in your shoes with the confrontation of, you know, what do I do? This is somebody who is an important part of my life as a friend. And yet look what's happening and look at the impact it's having. So, yeah, we, we so there's been lots of conversations in my my social circle and with with my mum. I then bought her a copy of your book and told her when you were coming on the podcast and she was all like, I think if she could be oh. here watching us live, she would be. So, mum, when you listen. Oh. Hi, mum. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just incredible to imagine, you know, oh. you know, you had so much going on, you had juggling your girls were little at that time, you know, busy working, like I could feel from watching the movie and having read the book, I could feel what it could have been like from my own experience, even though my nursing was so long ago now of that, the juggling, the shift work, the stress, the everything, yeah? yeah. Um, and then to have that happen on top of that, I can only, you know, begin to imagine what that was like. And and I'm not surprised that you mentioned that you went to a place of, of judgment um, for self. Oh, yeah. You know, what, what, what am I doing? And must, it must have been questioning in every moment, you know, <laughs> you know, and like you said, why? How did this happen to you? How did my life end up with this manifestation and this experience? So there's lots of things that so many things we can talk about today. So many, yes. Um, one of the things that you said that you'd love to talk about is, you know, how darkness, you know, is what can often drive us and shape us. So let's start there and see where we go. You know, the idea of darkness, people, I believe that when people see Charles Cullen, for instance, the serial killer. People see pictures of him and automatically say, well, 
why didn't you know he looks so creepy? Well, the media actually chooses photographs, really awful photographs. And in actuality, he was he was actually kind of a handsome guy. He was uh, salt and pepper hair, very tall, very slim. He was very well spoken, brilliant, brilliant nurse. And his personality was just so easy to be around. Mm -hmm. And I never had that boy girl issue with him where you think, okay, is there something here or not? Mm. We were just friends. Mm. And I did feel a darkness in him. However, a darkness to me means that they're layered. It means that someone who has that darkness is seeking light. In my my experience, Mm. it's the way to truly follow that path of looking and seeking it's to go into the trenches of your own darkness and so i may have projected that quest onto him but i know that maybe i thought that he was a little depressed Mm -hmm. obviously i did not for one moment think oh my gosh he's murdering people i just thought he's he's got some sharp edges here yeah okay yeah and darkness to me means that you have the potential to mold yourself into something greater always and when you look at things from a physics standpoint it is really darkness that light plays off of that is where we manifest we don't manifest in the light we manifest manifest in the dark where there's matter and light actually captures the dark and that's how we make our manifestations come to life mm-hmm. so it's really from the darkness looking into the light yeah i think from a psychological viewpoint with drawing on my background with counseling and art therapy, nursing, you know, I've done a lot of study and then with the archetypes, done a lot of study around the light and shadow from the psychology perspective. Yeah. So this I is love a reflection of all of this as well. And I really struggled when, particularly when I was studying psychology and, and art therapy, and we looked a lot at archetypal profiles and, and models and the shadow as a expression was so criticized as the bad parts of us because and, the, yes. and psychologically it's start you know it's it's defined as the things that we are uncomfortable about have shame about don't want people to know yes. about and yet yes. I don't know why but I could see it's probably the visionary creator archetype I have I could see that within that shadow part of ourself from a psychological perspective that's where our greatest wisdom is that's yes where, yes that's where we yes. can go to that's that where place. it's held yeah. yeah we can go yes. to that place and we can experience what it's like to be there then when we can bring that and integrate that together we can be our greatest shining light in the world contributor you know can, we I agree things, yeah that and you know what else I have found is that when you're in that darkness you're not performative no you are just raw mm-hmm. and that rawness is scary for people and I was really mm-hmm. happy to see how the trend had changed from talking about darkness 
to shadow. Mm. And yet, even with shadow, for some people, they see that as, well, that means I'm blocking the light. Mm. And to me, it's no, you're playing with the light. You're Completely. playing. We look at the actual creation of a shadow in you know in the world so we're looking in a room and there's a light turned on the brighter the light the bigger potential shadow that there is yeah so therefore to me when i think about that the the depth of the shadow or the breadth of the shadow can create the greatest light yeah so i, I think it's such a great way to look at it but yeah it's it's it's, it's a gorgeous metaphor yeah and yeah, it doesn't happen and that's why you know when i came to create the thrive factor framework and the archetypes because I wanted to make it very appealing to uh, women in the modern world, particularly in the space of leadership and business, I deliberately chose not to use light and shadow in relation to archetypes. So light is strengths, shadow is potential challenges. And the potential is to take away that obvious negative effect that people, you know, bring to life in their own existence when they hear the word shadow and they understand aspects of the you know psychological teaching around it it's like no that's where all the incredible stuff that is so good to really switch that up from darkness to potentiality Mm. Mm. and also Mm. darkness can almost be perceived as um like you said not just negative I go to the actual word bad or evil Mm -hmm. and bad and evil is also a construct and the behaviors that happened with Charles Cullen's mental illness, he, we estimate, or I should say that professionals have estimated his, um, his victim number to be over 400 people. That just blew my mind when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So his behaviors, what he was creating, what he had used within this darkness, he could not find his way out. He did not have the right resources. He did not have the right help. He did not have, he did not have any kind of a construct to say, how, how can I make myself a different path Mm. towards something that is positive? Instead, he became very addicted to his behaviors that offered him pleasure, which many people can believe that pleasure center is joy and it's not. And I think so many times we confuse joy with pleasure. Yes. And, and I, and I have, I've been really reading a lot about this recently Mm -hmm. and how, especially people that have had very challenging childhoods, they were never given a toolkit to find happiness. They were never given a toolkit to understand what joy was. However, their pleasure centers could be stimulated at a very young age. And so they started to equate that with, you know, their equal signs were this particular pleasure center is shame. This pleasure center is bad. This pleasure center. And yet, yes. And you can become addicted to that type. So in my mind, 
I don't know this to be true because I never got any answers from Charlie. In my mind, that's what happened is that he just became very addicted to what was stimulated in that pleasure center, somehow killing. It certainly wasn't joyful, but it did stimulate something in him yes. that he needed to keep going back to in a compulsion type of obsessive behavior. Mm. So those behaviors were not ever going to be shut down. They weren't going to be stopped. He wasn't going to be able to be rehabilitated. He had murdered too many times. Mm. And we don't know whether he had only been murdering people in the hospital. We just mm. were able to surmise it was only in the hospital. However, he had a history of, of other very concerning behaviors that looked like perhaps it was spilling over into the community as well. Yeah. So it's so kind of interesting to, and I, I imagine you, know, you lift this, but the rest of us even watching it now sitting there going, what was that like to discover that and someone that you'd had that close connection and feels like a trusting relationship with in a work environment that also spilled into your personal life, yeah, as a friendship, to to be able to be confronted with the reality of what was actually happening and what had happened. So you know, take take us back if you you want to, Amy, to sort of that reconciling that in your yourself to the confrontation of that. But I know this person, but they're doing you know things that are not not okay, and it's been a, on a big scale. And I'm not sure if at the time you realized it was as wide reaching or that's just really been the longer term investigation afterwards of trying to work, put all the pieces, I guess, of the puzzle together. Yeah. When I first found out um, Danny Baldwin, who was the lead detective, he showed me some evidence. And when I saw this piece of paper, it was a printout of his medication withdrawals. And I can tell you that it was very much like in other movies. I, I, I want to say it was like in the movies, but they didn't do it in, in the movie about me. Mm. Um, everything just kind of came in. And if you want to behold the now Mm. Nothing else existed except that moment with that piece of paper. And I couldn't hear. My heart was racing. And I just knew. And I I knew energetically that he had harmed people. I knew from a scientific standpoint, from a nursing standpoint, from a friendship standpoint. I just could not. I, I I couldn't process it. Like it was complete and utter overload. Mm. And my paradigm shifted in that moment. I also realized in that moment, there had been a time that I actually asked for this, which is odd. Yeah. Um, I had been diagnosed with cardiomyopathy I was supposed to be going for a procedure and um, this was this was many months before that, maybe six oh. months before that. So I found out in October about Charlie 
so February was when I was having my procedure before. So in February, I was dropping my girls off and I had been told I may not survive this procedure. And I, as I dropped them off, I wanted their last, their very last vision of me to be smiling and happy and loving. I didn't want to be crying. I didn't want to scare them. I wanted them to remember me as that, you know, I made myself put makeup on, I smiled, I held them, we went for some ice cream before, like I really made it special. And then I dropped them off and pulled around the corner and just stopped and did the ugly cry. Yeah. And then I did the bargaining with the universe, which I think anybody would do. Oh, uh, completely. I said, all right, all right, if you whatever this is, if this is the path of, if this is me doing this for myself, I don't know why I would choose this for myself. If this is God, if this is Buddha, whatever the fuck this is, <laughs> I am talking to you right now. All right. I understand. I'm getting the big kick in the ass. Say if I am saved, I am going to take this as the biggest sign that I am going to have to say yes to anything spiritual. I will go back on my spiritual path. I will listen. I will listen. You do not have to kick me. Mm. So when this happened, my thought was, all right, guys, this is a little too much. Like this is a bit extreme. Like a serial killer? Like you chose a serial killer like me like me 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 so it was just like this crazy feeling of like really understanding the weirdness paradigm and also understanding I didn't have the words for it then because it was really before the secret I really had never read any watts or like I I did not know about manifesting at that time I understood the concept a little bit but it wasn't common language and things no it really wasn't not until the secret came out really not until the secret came out but I did understand that I manifested it yeah yeah such an interesting thing just say you know you do the bargaining with the universe not knowing what that's going to look like but yeah I I can see myself sitting in there in your position and thinking really like like as if I hadn't already had something big to deal with you're giving me this (laughs) okay I'm dying but before I go down this is definitely a blaze of glory folks like that's what I was thinking is that all right I have to say yes because I'm dying and I have to do this and it also then I went back to well was that the wrong answer because was I supposed to say no to this something big and just be with my daughters yeah. So there was a lot of confusion there. There was a lot of confusion. Yeah. So as you say, Amy, it really, you know, took you into a space of a spiritual journey. No, no yeah. surprise. Like if you hadn't gone down the whole path of exploration and, you know, who am I and what, what's my real role in the world and why why did this happen? How did this happen? 
I kind of would have been a bit surprised if that hadn't been where you had gone to. But, you know, tell us what it was like that, that going to that first part of whatever that spiritual journey was. And I know it's something you've beautifully continued with since then. And, and again, it's such a big confronting experience. It is a, it, it would activate a lifetime of exploration and understanding for sure. But, you know, what, what was that beginning of that spiritual journey like for you? you know, and, you know, where did you start? How did you first come to create some understanding where there was so much else, I imagine, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically going on for you, trying to kind of, what, what, what is, what just happened, you know? <laughs> so I, I left nursing um, after I was able to have a medical procedure mm. to um, keep me out of and off the transplant list. Yeah. And after that, I was able to leave nursing. So in 2003 was when I helped uh, the detectives. And by 2007, I left nursing. Okay. For a time, I actually did go back. But in, then I decided I wanted to do something different. And NLP, neuro linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, those were starting to gain some traction, especially in my area. I actually um, ended up living in a spiritually dense area, and it's considered the Sedona of upstate New York. And so I was surrounded by these vortexes, which I didn't know anything about. And so I said, hey, why don't I? study this. And so when I went to study, I was walked on this walking meditation, walking uh, hypnosis protocol, um, a timeline regression protocol. Mm. And then you're wide awake during this hypnosis and you're walking during this hypnosis on a timeline. And I shifted paradigms um i i don't know how else to explain it except that it it shifted something in me so dramatically that i realized i could then possibly help other people shift that dramatically and not have to go through 10 years of therapy mm. to get to the point where I had gotten and to not suffer as much. I suffered for so long and was looking for answers for so long. And so I started really researching uh, through workshops and going through different modalities and then gaining all of these tools to help myself and in the process, I was learning also how to help other people. But, sorry. That timeline shift helped me to manifest everything that I am reaping the benefits of right now. Mm. And that was a book that I didn't even have to write someone else wrote it. Yes. <laughs> I have, I have had um, literally things come into my life through manifestation. And it's 
absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I also have realized that I don't need to convince anyone of these things anymore. I think when I first started out, I wanted people to believe in the same way that I did. And I've realized it doesn't matter. The people who have already gotten to the point where they are working on similar paradigms, similar timelines, um, they'll want to work through this. They'll want to use these particular modalities. And I think a lot of healers, I don't really even like using that word. Mm -hmm. I think some people use that word and that's fine. That's wonderful for them. I don't see myself as a healer. I see myself more as an educator and as a, a pointer here. Look at this modality. I can help you with this modality, but it's not up to me to heal you. You Mm -hmm. that's your stuff. Mm -hmm. You, You get to heal that. Here's some skills I can offer you so you can heal yourself. I, I cannot heal you. Yeah, I think that yeah, that's a, almost a whole nother podcast conversation, isn't it? Healing, yeah, so much. It so. is, but it, you know, I, 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 I don't ever believe that I am somebody who is a healer. That's not um, what I ever intended to be. What I have studied to be. What I've practiced to be. What I have been. Um, and I find myself certainly in a place of just being mindful when people do use that word because it's a big kind of comes with a lot of claim to it you know to say I'm I'm a healer like you know let's have a look at the real definition of healing it's going on a you know that's a big big kind of you know statement to make and I'm very much more in line with what you just described Amy is like it's like being a, a guide to to offer people opportunities to explore for themselves and where yes. maybe have a conversation to help them to reflect yes. understand, which was also to me is the you know the epitome of coaching is really being able to guide someone to connect with their own inner resources and also at times where they're seeking answers or they're curious is to say, well, this is something you might like to try or I found this interesting or I know someone who really enjoyed this so that there's opening up their world to more possibilities. So rather than a toolbox or a toolkit, I like to call it a treasure chest. Yeah, I love that. What we can, you know, all the things that we can draw on to support us and also share beautifully in in the the um with the intention that it may also support somebody else because they've discovered something new too yes yeah exactly I can imagine as you said like the early days of going into that space of NLP it was I remember when I did my first NLP certification and people were like what is this weird thing you said you're studying you know yes you this but now it's such a common language it's so common and it, it you know and that is those are the building blocks to where we are now yeah <laughs> for me it was I needed that foundation mm. you know that with Reiki that foundation then just kept building yeah and I could never stay within one modality I really want to you know each time I would discover a modality I would just completely immerse myself in it. And then it was what's next. Yeah. What's what's next reconnective healing. That was, that was probably what, what opened me up the most Okay. Um, was reconnective healing. And obviously, I, you know, using hypnosis and using timeline regression 
And that is not the same thing as regression therapy, no. um, where people go do regression to a past life, even though I have done that and it's very interesting and I love it. And I think that some people have really been able to answer some questions about themselves through mm. past life regression. I personally, for myself, it it's been more of a, wow, that was really cool kind of thing. Mm. And I'm really glad that I had that experience, but I feel that there were other modalities that really helped me connect with parts of myself that needed to be opened up. Yeah, need to be yeah, and expressed. I find that when we have such big shifts in our life, now yours is on an epic scale, but for a lot of us it's, it's, you know, a change in dynamic of a relationship, losing someone, losing yes. a job even. It's, yes. it's not the epic experience that you have had, Amy. But when we are confronted with something that changes us, we can go to a space of really being challenged from a perspective of identity. Who am I? Like that's one of the yes. ultimate questions of the, you know, the ancient philosophers mused all those billions of however many years ago it was, you know, who are, who am I? And that the the gift to each of us, solely gift to ourselves as human beings is to know thyself. You, know, you I mean, I get, you understand some of the background about my obsession with archetypes as an understanding mechanisms yes. all that. Yes. But, you know, that that when your world is shaken, it is very much a space of, well, I don't know who I am anymore for a period of time. And it very much is a, a very, I say common, but it, it is common in many regards, patterning that a lot of us in our curious nature as human beings are then called forward to explore. This is where things like the spiritual journey start for a lot of people. The exploration of modalities are trying different things to try and, as you say, you know, open up to parts of myself, just rediscover parts of myself, understand parts of myself and how it all fits together so I can work out who I am in this moment in this point in time and who I could be or who I want to be moving forward. Yeah. So identity is such a big thing. So I am I can only imagine in your evolution over these last couple of decades and even before that, because I know that there was some you know different pivotal times in your life, even up to this experience, yes. um, that identity has been shaken a lot. So tell us about that. Even I think another thing that you said you would be very happy to talk about was how you learn to trust th through being abused. So that's another, you know, key thing. Yeah. Where do you want to, what do you want to share? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so interesting how so many people have asked me, how, how do you even trust anyone? Mm -hmm. How, how is it that you can even have relationships now with anyone like aren't you worried that someone else is going to try to take advantage of you or I you know how can you possibly trust your gut anymore mm. and the truth is I started to have more faith in myself once I went down this path at first I was like oh my gosh I really genuinely thought that I would see a monster in front of me mm. I had a very challenging childhood um, I was abused in my childhood and that abuser was quite monstrous mm. and yet there were parts of him that were extremely loving toward me and gave me a lot of attention. Mm. 
However, with that and being raised like that, I assumed that I would be hyper aware if I saw evil again. That's the only way that I could possibly say that word. I didn't see it. I didn't see it in Charlie. I didn't understand it. And what I started to realize as I was healing myself with these modalities is that I did have a superpower Mm -hmm. and I wasn't seeing monsters. It was, I saw only the light in people Mm -hmm. and it was the gift that was given to me as a child that it was okay to love someone dark. It doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable for their behaviors. Mm. You can still love them and that's okay. You don't have to love their behaviors. You still hold them accountable for those behaviors, Mm. but you can still see the light in them and you can still see that that light is the same light that is in me. Mm. And as much as that sounds like a lot of bullshit to some people because they want to, they want to hate what they fear. Mm. And to me, my friendship with Charlie was what put him behind bars. Mm. He may still be killing if he was not able to be as close as he was to me. Yes. True. Yeah. It was me who also stopped my abuser because I was able to confront him and it did end with me. Mm. And with those, just that bravery that I had, even as a girl, I was still able to take that into my adulthood and reestablish all of that, replay it out in a different circumstance because my monster was not Charlie. The monster was the hospital Mm. because the hospital was shredding everything. The hospital was covering everything up and it was going up against them. That was the hardest part for me. Wow. And yet that's not what people would make an assumption about. This is where we look at things from the outside. Um, There are so many assumptions made about why people did certain things about how things actually played out about what the truth and the reality really was um so it's you know it's 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 another part of your gift to the world amy that you were open to having the story shared as well so that more people could learn about all that you experienced you said drawing on bravery about the the truth and bringing things to light um literally in in many different ways as you were talking there i was thinking about Often the misunderstanding, I guess, is the words coming to me about the whole process of forgiveness. And I know that particularly in my days more in counselling and therapy before coaching, talking with clients who have had a range of different experiences, a lot of abuse in various different ways, and them saying they wanted to be able to forgive often themselves firstly for their part in it, Mm-hmm. but forgive whoever the, the abuser was or the circumstances or the experience. Yeah. And getting a bit confused, though, about feeling that if they forgave, that meant that they were 
condoning or saying that what happened was okay, which is not yes. the Yeah. So talk me through like your process of you. Did you go through some kind of forgiveness? Is it is it happened? Did you were you able to do any sort of forgiveness, some compassion, or anything particular for yourself in this being able to you know to shift and be be, be who you are now? You know, now we're talking two decades on, lots of lots of modalities, lots of exploration. But what kind of things have you done for yourself? So I can tell you, it is one of the most uncomfortable things to talk to people about with forgiveness when it comes down to abuse because it's so personal and you never know where they are on their particular path I remember being very very angry when someone would say that I had to forgive my abuser Mm. I would become irate and also that I had to forgive my family yeah so When I went on this path, I really thought that that's where I was headed, is that I was going to look for a way to forgive them and myself. Mm. And what I did find, one of the modalities that I worked with was A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you have read any of that. Yes, I have. I'm very familiar with it. In fact, my copy of my book's probably not far away from me here on my desk. Yes. So it shifted my perspective from forgiving to having nothing to forgive. Mm. That manifesting is not just about in this moment. Manifesting, and this is only on my journey. Mm. Other people that have been abused, they have their journey. The way that they process it is beautiful. I commend them, however, they get through it. For me, I chose my particular circumstance. It's my belief system Mm -hmm. that I chose my circumstance before I arrived here. And when you take control of that, you realize every single thing, every single role that anyone played in your life, what a beautiful gift it is. Mm -hmm. That is a huge stretch for so many people that are struggling so I find that when I do talk about those things I make it very clear that that's about my journey I do not expect anyone else to believe those things I do not expect that someone is going to magically find that part of their journey everyone's journey is different my journey showed me visions of how I did choose this situation for myself so I didn't need to forgive because I'm grateful Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for my sister I'm grateful for my mother I'm grateful for my grandparents for holding that space and for playing the roles that they played in my life literal roles of how we came on to this particular realm And we have these soul contracts that I believe in and they played them out beautifully Mm -hmm. and we're going to get to do it again together someday. And I also have been reading thousands of accounts of near death experiencers that come back and have very similar messages for us that 
we choose this. Mm -hmm. We choose our circumstances. And I would never say that to a mother who has a child with cancer or a... It, can be very just, it just wouldn't be helpful. No, no, it just exactly. wouldn't be helpful. Yeah, there's the there's a place and a time. Yeah, the confronting aspect of someone sharing that when you're in the midst of living through a traumatic experience, yes, as you say, not helpful. Even if no, yeah, yeah, no, and it's so delicate to make it very, very clear. And I think that's also where a lot of spiritual people get tripped up mm. is they decide on their particular modality and believe that that modality is what is going to heal the world. And it does heal their world. Yeah. yeah. But it's their journey. Yes. It's their particular journey. Yeah, for sure. So, so interesting. It all it is really is. Now remind me that the good nurses, the movie, was that about October last year that came out? Yes. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to t- trace my own timeline back to when I because like when I realized it was out, like, I'm, okay, got it. Like <laughs> block side time, watch it to everyone. And then there was also the as you said the documentary as well. And as you shared earlier on, Amy, you've been on this whirlwind of a media tour. As I said, I was you know watching your you on social media and thinking, where is she today? Like hardly home in in months and months and months now. What has been one of the most I guess. You know, a moment during that time where you, the spotlight's been on you in a way that it hadn't been before, despite the, the experience that you've had and what you have, you know, everything that's happened over the last couple of decades and even before that, but a moment where you were just sort of almost like a pinch yourself, like, I can't believe I'm here with whatever the situation was, whether it was someone that you were talking to, you know, whatever it was, what was that? I remember I was backstage and I was, we were all lining up. It was me and Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain and um, Tobias Lindholm, the director, amazing director, Christy Wilson Cairns. Uh, who wrote the screenplay and she is she's just brilliant she has written you know she's won Oscars and we're backstage and I was I was sort of reciting to myself because I had to go out and speak to about 400 people and I kept reciting no one's dying no one is dying like do you know how cool that is? And I turned to Eddie Redmayne and I'm like, do you know how cool that is? And it was that moment. And he looks at Jessica. He's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Nobody's dying. Like, I just, what, what just happened? And then, and just, just actually standing there and thinking, I manifested this. This is pretty cool. Like, this is, this is some good shit right here. This is yeah. some really yeah. cool yeah. shit. Yeah. This is really, really cool. And I was able to take it in, like actually take it in, like, okay, good. all right, this is real. This yeah. is real. Yeah, well, I mean, you're standing next to a brilliant you know, couple of actors and one who's been chosen to portray you. Like that must have been also a bit of a, like, it's not many of us in the world that get to actually meet people that represent us in a, in a movie about part of our life. Like, yeah, but so often stories about real people happen after they've passed. 
not yes. still here. You And you, again, being able to go and do all the media and, you know, just be able to interact with the world in their response to what they'd watched and what they'd read and what they were learning about. Yeah. I can only imagine like what a, a kind of a, a mind stretch and, and a, you know, different times. Of- yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of paradigm shifts yeah. there too. Yeah, yes, totally. a lot. Totally. Yes. Oh, very cool. And what, what's the, um, if you had any really interesting, challenging questions from media over the course of that time that you're a bit like, oh, I don't know really where to go with this. I can only imagine. No, no good. Okay. Yeah. No. And if this had been 10 years ago, yes, yeah. I would have stumbled. Yeah. At 20 years out and also being so open and having done the work. Yeah. There wasn't one thing that someone was going to say to me that would put me in defense mode. Mm-hmm. I I know even 10 years ago, I was very, very defensive about someone even implying that I might have had something romantic with Charlie Cullen. Mm-hmm. And now I really understand because... It was it was hard for people watching the movie and I'm even watching the movie and thinking, I wonder if there's something there. Mm. And I think the reason that Charlie and I were so close is because there wasn't that romantic stuff Mm. going on, because we could trust each other in a way that didn't get all caught up in all that weird pheromone stuff. Yes. so no, I, I, I know that there was a message that I received where I had to step back and it was from a young nurse. She's, she was in nursing school and she asked me how I can appear so peaceful on social media and so happy when all of these people died, kind of a, how dare you? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And yeah. And I answered her, you're absolutely right. And the anger that you're feeling toward me just shows me you're going to be a great nurse because you're right. Mm. Why wouldn't you feel anger toward this? And people that don't feel angry toward this, I I don't understand Mm. because it was a huge tragedy it was 20 years ago. I've been able to be at peace, but it's through a lot of work mm-hmm. of figuring out how to be at peace. So please, if this is what you need to feel toward me, please mm-hmm. feel it because believe me, I felt it for myself for oh, a long time. I imagine, I mean, I think that's the, the thing to be mindful of, which I can tell that you are, is this was 20 years ago for you. Yeah. For a lot of people, this is a brand new story they're discovering. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, like it's happened in real time, not two decades ago. It should um, be shocking. Yeah. It should be terrifying. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Well, I've got some questions to ask you now that I'm asking everyone who joins me on the podcast. And I'm going to wrap up okay. with a final question. So being that she leads, she thrives is you know, it's for the leaders of the world, but a lot of them, you know, the women that listen to this, I have no doubt in my mind, because this was my intention and my vision for it, they don't necessarily recognize themselves as leaders. But when we can look at actually being self-led, that's a whole different dynamic. And that's really what I want to champion here. 
So I'd love to hear from you, what role does leadership play in your life? And in now this kind of, you know, the work and the the story that you're sharing, you know, what role does leadership play in that for you? Leadership, I believe, is being a voice for what you're good at, Mm -hmm. being a voice for what you're passionate about. And Being a leader does not mean being a boss. It doesn't mean that you're in charge of anything. It just means that you feel good in something that you feel very capable of. And it's not about being more capable than someone else. It's very much about feeling masterful within yourself and then just emanating that. And you don't have to be confident. It it just has to be something that's within you that shines out. You don't have to do anything, just be. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. I think so often leadership is misguided in our understanding of it, that it's an external expression. Like you said, you don't have to be a boss. You don't have to lead anyone else. Uh, it very much for me, I feel that the quality of leadership comes from within. It's not the external yeah. expression of it. Yeah. So Amy, how do you know you're thriving. How do you know when you're thriving? When I am thriving, it means I am following what the path is offering me. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm pushing the path. And not that I'm 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 forging that path. I am realizing the path that is already there. Mm-hmm. And I feel that because there's no resistance. As soon as there's resistance, I know I have veered off. I'm starting to stub my toe. I'm starting to get sick. I'm starting to, so I know I'm off a little bit. So sit back, sit down. And when things are going nice and smooth and my meditations are giving me that positive energy then yes I know I'm thriving beautiful I I feel like we're going to have to do a mashup of all the incredible answers to these questions and put them all together over time with all that because they again they, the answers are different for every one of you which is exactly I love that what I what I love too is that we are not all the same and what a great thing that is so if people want to know more about you, aside from going to Netflix and looking for the good, you know, put in the search in the good nurse, you'll get the the movie and the documentary. But what about connecting with Amy, the woman, you know, where, how's that best for people to connect with you and, to, you know, follow what you're up to and, um, you know, whatever it is that they want to reach out and connect with you about. Instagram is definitely the best place. I, I, I do have my website, Amy the Good Nurse, and I've been so horrible with keeping up with it. I did hire an assistant to start really managing my website a little bit better because I haven't touched it in, since all of this started. So I apologize if anybody has been, been a going little there. Bit busy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I do get I do get emails, but some of them some of them have have gone to the wayside. Uh, Instagram, however, uh, I do have um, an automatic reply system. If you message me or if you talk to me on Instagram, I answer almost right away. So please follow me, Amy the Good Nurse, Amy Lochran, 
Instagram and amythegoodnurse.com. And I would love to hear from all of you. I would love it. Just love it. So we will make sure, Amy, that all of those links are in the show notes. And, you know, I think anyone who's listening for the first time and you listen to podcasts, you know that that's the, the usually the, the drill. But if you are also a, a longer term listener of Shirley, she thrives and you know that not only will there be all the links for you to connect with our guests, but there's also a full transcript of the episode. So if you want to go back and go, now, what did they say in this part? Go, you can find that in the transcript. I love that. All right. So a couple more questions to ask you before we wrap up for today. Okay. So what's a, a piece of wisdom that you'd love to share with the, you know, the ambitious and genius souls that are tuning in to listen to our conversation? What's a piece of wisdom you'd like to share with them? I think there is a part of us that understands when we are getting a universal no and we continue to push things. Mm. There is a very, very crass saying, and I'm going to beg for an apology uh, from myself for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it is a Zen master saying that life is like a fart. If you have to force it it's probably shit yes makes complete sense I love it I love it (laughs) not too crass at all I was like what is she gonna say with that kind of a preface (laughs) (laughs) so Amy what's next for you I know that you because you've shared with me some of the travel that you've got coming up but kind of what's next what is the future for the good nurse but Amy the the actual good nurse not the story of the movie what's the future looking like for you Uh, Charles Graber and I are working on a couple of projects. Um, One of them is more along the lines of my story. And the other thing is working on a limited edition. I don't know if podcast is the right word. I think it's more of all of us talking about our feelings about what occurred rather than the actual investigation itself. Yeah. Okay. So that is, that should be coming out. So. Yeah. Good stuff. So with that, my heartfelt thank you to you to saying yes to me when I reached out. I go, Amy, do you want to come on my podcast? Let's talk about. Um, <laughs> it's very, very cool. And yeah, I think we we could keep talking for hours. And we hours. could talk forever, <laughs> which is such a good thing. And I I hope to see you again one day soon, potentially even this year. Um, with in Australia. Yes, I'll I know. see you in Australia. So Amy will be in Australia later this year at the um, Ultimate Girls Week away, and I intend on being there as part of the team. Um, so it would be so good to give you a hug in real person, you know, in yes. real life, and to you know reconnect again, which would be fantastic. You have to know Tara; she needs to come again too. Bring yes. your cousin with you. It'd be a, definitely a bit of a reunion for some of the the um and you know the inaugural Ultimate Girls it's Week. So away. nice. Yes, yeah, it'd be so good. And you and I switching different places. I won't be in the, you know, the audience. I'll be part of the team doing different things. But, you know, I was a keynote speaker last time. This is your time to shine on the stage now. It's going to be such a beautiful thing to, to see that, see you having stepped up and to hear the the stories that I know you're going to share and inspire so many others with. Because there's no doubt in my mind as an, from an archetypal perspective that you have the inspire believer archetype. 
It is the archetype that is the potentialist. So we see the good. I have it as well. We see the good in others. And that is where we start with. We lead with that energy rather than any, as you said, the evil, the bad, the all the other things that can come up that can be very real in, our, in some people. We still see the good in people and we connect with them in that space as a priority. So beautiful. So thank you, lovely lady. Enjoy all thank your you. travels. I look forward to hearing about them and watching them on social media between now and when I see you later in, in 2023. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in and listening to Amy and I. And do go on if you haven't seen The Good Nurse on Netflix. I don't know what you've been doing because there was a there was a lot of hype about it for a good reason at the time. And as I said it right at the beginning, I know I shared it with a lot of people. So just watch this, you know, <laughs> particularly my nursing friends, because I knew that they would have a different understanding having lived in that role you know in the in the world as well so you know thank you everyone for listening in as always reach out connect with amy if you've got questions for her she said she's open to hearing from you and would love to and tell you you'd listen to the podcast and came from here as well have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world and remember you were born to thrive i believe that and i look forward to connecting with all of more of our listeners with more of our incredible guests moving forward have a great day everyone Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over.